You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Spring Break Edition Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Bill on Twitter. He's Nick Suss filling in for Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, because Brad is spending spring break back in Chicago where he played in his NFL career. Went to Chicago to hang out with the family, see some friends, all that fun stuff because everybody else is off. My wife and kids are off. They're off getting their hair done right now as we record on this Monday morning. Nick and I, we have nothing better to do. So we join together. Nick writes for the Jackson Clarion Ledger covering Ole Miss. Hey, buddy, what's up? Uh, yeah, no, I also have nothing to do. Nothing I don't do. remember what spring break is. Like, breaks, that'd be nice. When's the last time you had a legitimate spring break like everybody else gets? I'm not complaining because I love my been. job, but you get what I'm saying. Spring break? Probably like my freshman year of college when I still barely was doing journalism starting sophomore year. I was like, Oh no, mm. but there's baseball games. Mm. I guess you watch baseball now. <laughs> Not complaining. I get July breaks. There isn't anything going on for us in July outside of sec media days, which is made to be something, but it's not, we make it into something for some reason. Yeah. No, just pull for your listeners. If any of you cares one iota about sec media days, I would tell love us to and I'll I- go back to caring. Yeah. But I, I don't think that anyone actually cares about the news they get from, oh, man, third-string defensive end is really progressing. What do you ever really learn about any team? Doesn't not be Ole Miss. It could be Alabama. What do you learn at SEC Media Days? These days, all it is is a big TV production to help fill the empty void that is July of sports and football with football around the corner, and they just kind of want to satisfy that appetite or scratch that itch of uh, of college football fans are so excited about football, but nothing happens. No, it was the last time it was truly notable when Hugh went on his like 40 minute filibuster. Yes. Yes. Does Brian Kelly have to go in a 45 minute filibuster? I don't know if he will, but he very well could. Uh, then there's the exact opposite last year. Mike Leach just walked up and said, I'm not one for opening statements. And that was his opening statement. How would you handle it? I think uh, I would handle it like that. I'd get up there and say, guys, look, I, I don't have anything to say. Just ask me questions. Oh, I'd go up there aiming to be Steve Spurrier, and I'd end up being Fozzie Bear. <laughs> I'd, I'd think I have all these zingers, <laughs> and they'd just fall flat. Well, if you can't tell, I'm sick. So I'm spending my, quote, spring break sick. Stopped up, coughing. Because it was snowing on Friday. Snowing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the Grizzlies-Knicks game in Memphis, and as I'm driving, I start getting hit. My car, my little crappy sedan, starts getting hit with snow flurries in March. And then the next day, it's kind of normal, still a little cold. And you know in about a week, it'll be 78. Then it'll get up to 80, 90. Then it'll snow again. It's bizarre. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than I was just sitting in bed watching cartoons and I just hear and I look out the window. I was like, oh, no, that, that's not a flurry. That's about two inches of snow. I, uh, I guess I should open the blinds more often if I'm trying to watch for snow. And then it melted within hours. Oh, immediately. Yeah, because the sun immediately. came out. Brian Kelly I tried to make my rabbit exper- experiment in the snow. Wait, 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 wait. What are you talking thing. about? What is a I rabbit? I told you I have a rabbit. Yeah, but I don't think you've told um, the listening audience of Talk of Champions that you have a rabbit. So, so far in three minutes, yeah, no. we've established that you still watch cartoons. I do too. And um, you have a rabbit. What's the rabbit's name? Rabbit's name is Inky, short for Inkblot, because it kind of looks like a Rorschach test on its back. Is it a good like pet to have? Not, not really. If you if you yeah, because it doesn't uh, show love like back to you, right? Herbs. Okay. It's it's skittish, but it's more just about the. We have had to rearrange our house uh-huh. to move the couch to block off rooms because the rabbit tends to uh, itter about and uh, doesn't have full control of its bowels. <laughs> um, What's the benefit of having a rabbit? Soft and friendly pet. 
Okay, great. But it's like to look at, man. Neat. But a dog will love you back. Certain True. animals will love we you got back. A cat for that. Oh, my cat sucks. What's the benefit of having a pet rabbit? That uh, the fiance really likes it and that I uh, like when she's happy. Yeah, well. Happy wife, happy life. When's the wedding? Can we say that? Uh, next January, yeah. Next January. Why January? Just wanted a winter wedding? Yeah, she's always wanted one, and it uh, works out for me that I'm not missing football. Oh, come on, man. You can miss football for your wedding. I, I don't believe in that, man. I can, too. Yeah. But she wanted a January wedding, and it was easy enough, and it just so happens that uh, there is a Friday the 13th next January, and she's a spooky, spooky person, so it worked out. So you are getting married on Friday the 13th in the winter. Correct. That's There's going to be no sunlight after 4 p.m. That's amazing. Are you all going to wear like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas garb? Are you going to dress like Jack Skeleton? Uh, if you don't know, I might have told you the story, but our engagement was Nightmare Before Christmas themed on Halloween. It's, it's her thing. Wow. Do I kind of know you better than I really realize here? Yeah, no, either I told you that and you forgot or you are Which very intuitive, and I yeah, like to think I, it's the latter. I, I think it's the former. I just forgot because I'm dumb. Brian Kelly <laughs> might have to filibuster at SEC Media Days, but it's more basketball than football with these LSU sanctions that finally came down. Will Wade's gone. Bill Armstrong, former Ole Miss assistant under Andy Kennedy, he got fired, named in the NO, the NO, NOA. NOA. Notice of allegations, yes. It's early in the yeah. morning for me. So, NOA. And uh, Andy Kennedy makes the NCAA tournament. Nothing but radio silence from Keith and Kermit. Mike White goes to Georgia. A lot's happening. Not really directly with Ole Miss, necessarily. But a lot's happening. Spring football practice is coming next week. But of all the stuff that has gone down over the last couple of days, what's been the most surprising? I'll be honest with you. I have not been shocked in this business in quite some time. I was shocked when I saw Mike White was going to Georgia. I knew he wanted a contract reset. I get that. Like, the rationale I get. But Georgia? I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a really good idea for a job. I've covered a lot of Georgia basketball in my life, and I can tell right. you it's a much harder job than it seems like. But in theory, if you can wake up the sleeping giant, Georgia can be every bit the program that Florida is. The difference is Florida has the history and the backbone and the support that Georgia hasn't historically had. The support. You're going yeah. to you're, you're have that first-year boost where people are going to be really interested. And that happened with Tom Crean when he brought in Anthony Edwards. I, I mean, it, it makes sense that if you can capitalize on that first-year boom and you can build something, that um, that's a good place to be, especially for a coach that was looking for a reset. But... That's a tough rebuild. Georgia's in a tough, tough situation right now. Transfer, transfer portal makes it easy to rebuild, but that is a that's a tough rebuild with the situation Crean left him. If Mike White had told Keith Carter, his very, very good friend, best of friends, I want the Ole Miss job, I think Mike White would be the head coach today. Probably. I don't think he wanted the job. I think because of a lot of different things, the friendship with Keith and – how uncomfortable it would be because you get hired to get fired by ADs in this game. So yeah. at some point that was going to happen and all that uncomfortable nature of, I don't, I don't know, but I do know that Keith pretty much assured um, Kermit that he was going to bring him back for another year. Debate all you want, whether or not that's the right move or not, but that was why, there was really no movement at all. And everyone's wondering, like, why don't you come out with a statement or something? Like, what is he going to say? I support the head coach that I'm not going to get rid of. And Kermit's talking like a guy coming back, all that kind of stuff. But why it shocked me is just like Georgia in both football and the town of Athens and basketball, all these different things, except for baseball. It's basically just a bigger version of Ole Miss party scene, all that kind of stuff. It's just, Probably. it's Ole Miss except on steroids. And basketball is the same thing. Basketball at Georgia, like at Ole Miss, there's just not any support for it. And I remember back when the job opened up after AK was gone, Tom Crean checked into Ole Miss because Ole Miss wanted to talk to Tom Crean. Well, had some early conversations with him about potentially being interested in this job. And 
Tom Crean reached out to Andy Kennedy, and AK told him straight up strengths and weaknesses. He, he sold Ole Miss the best he could, but he wasn't going to lie to his friend. It's not like AK was feeling slighted or anything like that and then just started shitting all over Ole Miss. That's not what happened. He just told Tom Crean the situation. It's a great place. There's people that love it here. Um, it's a great place to live, all this kind of stuff. But there are some limitations to this job. And when he gets done talking to Tom Crean, Tom Crean tells him, yeah, that's what I thought. They're the 14th team in the SEC. And he took Georgia. <laughs> right? And it feels like that again. Except – it hits a little differently. Not that Mike White was going to leave for Ole Miss, because I think there was a little bit of conversation there. There's a reason why I've been talking about this. And even other people have acknowledged this. It's not just in our community, the media community, but I've heard it in coaching circles, like the Mike White stuff to Ole Miss. And I just wonder, is it more because of the awkwardness of your AD being your best friend, Kermit, I don't know, or that Ole Miss is the worst job in the SEC. And still, to this day, Georgia is viewed as a better job, even though Georgia and Ole Miss, outside of the size, are pretty much the same as far as how much people actually pay attention to this stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky job. And, I mean, when things are going at Georgia, they're still often the second priority in their own building behind gymnastics. It's a weird job. Behind gymnastics. But, yeah, they're 10 time national champions. That's right. Yeah. Gymnastics. That That's was a right. big, big deal. So, my daughter, but Riley, I'm who's obsessed often, with gymnastics. Not every time. Okay. But my daughter, Riley, who's obsessed with gymnastics, I've been saying get a scholarship in Florida. You're saying she needs to go to Georgia. I mean, Georgia hasn't won a national championship since 08. I mean, Florida and LSU. and So, Riley uh, could be the one that brings them are... back to prominence. Oh, for sure. Okay, great. Sorry. Oh, Suzanne Yako, and that you've got the, the next, uh, the next Courtney. Pets, I think was her name. I'm blanking on who their coach is. I'll right take now. your word for but, it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting job, and I think that it's always going to be alluring when you can be the guy who has the no pressure job. And I'm not saying there's no pressure at Georgia. Obviously, Tom Crean felt the pressure, but there's not really that much pressure to be the head basketball coach. If Mike White has the same resume at Georgia that he had at Florida, they'll build a statue for him. Same thing at Ole Miss. Lifetime contract for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's gotta be appealing when Georgia can give you more money. And let's face it. Recruiting base is a lot better in Metro Atlanta than it is. I guess the Metro Memphis area is not bad, but I mean, there's just so many more people, so many more recruits in Atlanta that it's easier to build a team there. Now, who cares if people build through freshmen anymore? We'll see if Mike White goes transfer portal stuff. But still, from a footprint perspective, every tournament's in Atlanta and uh, so many high schools in Atlanta. There's a lot of talent. But you have to be willing or have enough support from your fans to go get those players, to pay for those players with NIL now. Used to be just for sure, yeah. You know, all the under, under the table stuff that's gotten LSU in trouble. I think they had eight level ones, seven of which were basketball. But I love how it took this long yeah. for the NCAA to do something. This long, and so many kids are going to transfer out from there. Anybody of consequence is going to transfer transfer out from there. But what took them so I've, long? I've been looking for the right word for this because it's not Schadenfreude, but it's similar. Of like dumbassery. Every how every other NCAA investigation, Ole Miss fans are like, "Don't do it! Don't cooperate! Don't cooperate!" But the second LSU is involved, they're like, "Yeah, no, no, that's great. That's fantastic." It's like the Big Brother wants to look out for everybody as Ole Miss fans, except for LSU, which is interesting. It's funny. It's fun as a media observer to watch as somebody who's covered both schools. But yeah, it's been weird. I think everybody knew that Will Wade was on his way out, but look at this, look at it this way. They had to wait until something was in writing to guarantee that they could fire him with cause. And, not have and that's to pay why it him. took as long as it did. Yeah. Not have to pay him at all. Everything's at all. financial. Yeah. yeah. It's all financial. I think a lot of it has to do with finances with Ole Miss, to be honest with you. And this is not a knock on Kermit. I mean, look, I think the body of work is what it is. I like Kermit a lot, but we have to talk about this stuff, frankly, here. And I honestly believe that the reason there wasn't a move made or has, a move hasn't been made is financial, purely financial, because of the money Ole Miss is already paying out for projects and former coaches and 
been a lot of bad decisions made by this athletics department, not Keith, but Ross and all those guys. <laughs> they paid out a lot of money. And when you have a sport in basketball at Ole Miss, and say what you want to, Ole Miss fan, let's just be real here. There isn't a lot of support for Ole Miss basketball, even in the best of times. And I've said it a lot, and I feel like a broken record, and I'm sorry. But if you walked in to a bar of 100 Ole Miss fans, and you polled all 100 Ole Miss fans, I need $100 from you for a four-star linebacker from Tippa County, I don't know, or the number 10 player in the country for basketball. How many of those 100 are giving it to the linebacker, the random linebacker? He's not C.J. Johnson coming out of high school, Under Armour All-American, or, or no, he was a uh, U.S. Army All-American. Not him. Not talking about the highest rank of the highest ranked. Just Jaron Willis, great player, but we're talking about the number 250 player in the country, but he's a four-star in football compared to the number 10 player in the country. He's a five-star in basketball. You would pay, I think the majority would, would pay for the football player. And that's fine. There's not yeah, nothing like, wrong with that. You're interested in what you're interested in, but that's just what the situation is at Ole Miss. We'll get right back to Nick Suss in the spring break edition of Talk of Champions after we hear briefly from BNA Bank and Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. Let's even put it this way. Uh, there's a game that goes around social media every once in a while where you get to say, over the rest of your lifetime, all of the teams you support get to win 10 championships. Mm. You can spread them out however you want, whenever you want them. If you pull Ole Miss fans and assume they give maybe three or four to pro teams they support, maybe there are some Grizzlies fans or Saints fans or anything like that. But if you divvy it up just among Ole Miss fans – and you say college football national championship, college world series, March madness, national championship. What percentage of those 10 do you think go to basketball? And I think that you're still going to get one, maybe uh -huh. two people who want a lot of basketball success. But I think the priority will be pie in the sky. If you get to see success, football and baseball probably win out. And that's not a bad thing. It's Having not a bad priorities thing. is really cool, Yeah, but it's just a matter of fact of the way the Ole Miss fan base falls. And I don't want to lecture these listeners on who they are. You guys can be whoever you want to be. Yeah, that's not, that's not what this is to be tennis, be tennis. That's not but what my this point is. is just speaking yeah. in the aggregate. I think that basketball isn't always the priority. It's and, always and third. The record saying, it's always third. Yeah, it's always going to be third. And, and, and let me be on the record as saying, I am always somebody who has a really, really slow trigger when it comes to getting rid of coaches. So it is still my opinion that Kermit probably deserved one more year given the four years. I want had. to see Kermit with Matthew Morrell and Deshaun Ruff in a full year together as multi-year players. I think yeah. that's now some would say, I don't want to see that. I want to see that with somebody. Okay. That's fine. Again, I'm not telling you how to think, but a lot of people have asked me like, 
Ben, what do you think about this whole situation? And, and to be honest with you, um, I think it's all financial, to be quite honest with you. And a lot of it has to do with the lack of interest in Ole Miss basketball. And I'm not knocking it. It's fine. Like what you like. You prefer football and baseball, or the majority of Ole Miss fans prefer football and baseball, but they still expect the exact same kind of results as football, as baseball and basketball, with not the same amount of support. And that's where you got to recognize where things are and why it is what it is. And why Ole Miss is, quote, falling behind. Well, a lot of that has to do with they just don't financially have the wherewithal to hang. They don't. Because fans, they don't pay for it. And that's fine. If you like what you like, it's your money, man. <laughs> do what you want to do with your money. But if you wonder why nothing's happened or anything like that, I, I think that's why, because of the money they're paying out. And and even though I do think, I agree with you, I'd like to see um, Kermit have another year with Matt and Deshaun and see if he can attack the portal like he wanted to last year but couldn't get it done. But why couldn't he get it done last year? He went after so many high-end portal players. Why couldn't he get those players? He couldn't afford them. Can't pay for them. And some would say, okay, well, why didn't he just take it out of his own salary? I, I don't know what to answer to that, to be honest with you. I don't know I don't know what to say to that one. I never do. What do you say to that when somebody says, okay, just take it out of your own pocket? Uh, what? what? People don't really say that to me because they know how much I make. No, they weren't talking about me. I'm talking about, like, Kermit. They're saying, like, oh, Kermit's know, making know. You know, $3 million a year. He could take a little money out and go. I don't know what the hell I'm saying right now. No, but let's, let's steer it to something slightly, slightly more productive. Let's okay. say all things equal. All right. You have a starting five next year of Joyner comes back, Morell comes back. I don't think Joyner will start in that situation. No, I, I'm just throwing it out. Then oh, you have sorry. Robert Allen, Jamin Brakefield, and whatever mm-hmm. center you get from the portal. Some combination of those six. Nine SEC wins in a pie in the sky? Eight? Ten? Like, <sighs> they're... I don't know. Seemingly middle of the pack if they hit on a center. I don't know. Like that's I just don't know what the answer is. See, I think you gotta get a playmake at the two so you can maybe move Matt Morrell to the three, so that you want to have three playmaking guards with Deshaun, this person from the portal, this pie in the sky pick from the portal. Pie in the sky pick from the portal. That was good. And then Matt Morrell at the three. And I'm gonna be honest with you, like Jamin, what did Jamin show you this year that gets you super excited? I'm not super excited, but I will say I saw growth on okay. defense particularly. Like that dude went from not being active at all on defense to being arguably their best defensive rebounder down the stretch. Oh. And I know that's not saying that much. No, that, that does matter but, though. Cause rebounding, that, that's one area I was going to say they need to improve in rebounding and um, shot blocking. I mean, a bunch of stuff around the rim that you would want from the four, but you want them to be able to stretch out to three and he can kind of do that. But if he's providing value defensively and rebounding, there is something to that. But I still think that they try to recruit, not over him, but competition at least to bring in against him. Yeah, and you'll still have Rob to do whatever Rob does. And I think he's a very valuable player. Maybe he's a sixth man. Maybe he's a starter. But I think his voice yeah, matters get, to them. I don't I don't know if you put anything on that, like if, if you value that or not. But I know for them, I do. not having his voice mattered to them. And the way I think about it, if you can add a playmaker in the backcourt, if you can add a second guy who can pass behind Ruffin, and if you can replace Nicier Brooks with somebody who is equal to slightly better than Nicier Brooks and everyone stays healthy, this team can get back to the middle of the pack pretty quick. Whether middle of the pack can elevate beyond that NIT bubble region, we'll see. We we will see because every bubble's different and everybody knows that based off of would you say that last year's team was better than the Kermit's team that made the tournament? I don't think so. Could have been. I, I think they were. Well, here's the difference. Here's, I think the, difference. They here's the difference. Were. Here's the difference. TD was so good. Romello yeah. was really good, though. That's the yeah. thing. And that's how the bubble is weird. Of teams can be equally competent, and one can be easily in on a soft bubble. And yeah. One can miss on a hard bubble. It's it's always going to be tricky. They were in as an eight in his first year at eight. That means safely, safely in. And that's after starting 14 and two, and they've been well under 500 since. Got whipped in the tournament, yeah. the SEC tournament, got whipped in the NCAA tournament by Oklahoma. It hasn't been the same since. And that team last year was actually a good coaching job. Now you get bounced in the first round of the NIT. And that looks bad. With a, 
with a couple of opt-outs. But yes, it a couple, I, and, and no one wanted to play in it. See, that's the one thing I yeah. want to talk about is at what point, and this has nothing to do really with Ole Miss, but at what point do we just get rid of the NIT? I know it's a moneymaker for some, but the NIT, yeah. the other one, what's the other one called? CBI. CBI. Why do we have these tournaments? But then if you make that argument, you say, okay, then why do you have the uh, Jim Bob Cooter Bowl? You know, or whatever is the crappiest bowl. Those don't matter either. Yeah. But the NCAA tournament's all anybody cares about. And yet it gets used against teams, programs, coaches, players, fan bases. If you get bounced in the first round of the NIT, but if a tree falls in the woods, <laughs> I mean, no one cares about the NIT. Unless oh, unless you're just trying to use it anecdotally to talk shit about a coach or a fan base or whatever. No one cares about the NIT. No, I- and I swear I'm not trying to be the guy that just keeps polling your audience, but like I, I got some feedback on Twitter the other day where somebody was mad that Kermit said that he's made two postseasons in four years. It's a, that's that's the truth. That's true. It's a fact. And like sentimentally, listeners, do you view the NIT as the postseason? I do. I, I don't know if you guys do. I view being the number one seed in the NIT as an accomplishment. I don't know if it's a dazzling accomplishment, but it I does mean, AK prove. used it. He talked about it. They went to the final, whatever it is Four. I don't think it's four. Is it four? Only four that go to New York. I can't remember. I, think I can't four. remember. I think it's four. You think I would know. Cause I've been covering Ole Miss since I was 20 and I'm 36 at this point in my life. And I've been to enough NIT games. I think it's four, <laughs> but, uh, you celebrated it when Ole Miss went to the final four in the NIT. That's when you get excited. When Ole Miss is a win away against Georgia Tech and gets beat on his home floor, went away from going to New York to play for an NIT championship. But playing for an NIT championship means what? Nothing. But it is the postseason. It's the postseason. But even then, like, I we just, just start talking about how, like, if you make the NCAA tournament, if you don't win the championships, that's a failure. It's not because everyone celebrates making it to the NCAA tournament. Point is this. Ole Miss basketball, historically, is terrible. And still, it, with all the improvements that Ole Miss has made, the pavilion and other things, recruiting budget, assistant coaches pool, all that stuff has been upped comparatively to Andy Kennedy. But it's still not in the same ballpark as these other programs that have decided to take it seriously, like Auburn, Alabama, that historically weren't that good at basketball. Not compared to Kentucky. And then Florida used to not be great at basketball. They got serious and they hired Billy Donovan. They won championships. And now they have a standard to where Mike White's resume isn't good enough. Georgia, if he gives them that exact resume, they'll build a statue. Ole Miss, you give them that exact resume, they'll build a statue for you. Comparatively, it's just interesting to follow how these things work out and to see Ole Miss fans, not all of them, but some of them have this expectation when the support just isn't quite there. So it's kind of a rock and a hard place, in my opinion. If you're Keith, you're one of the big proponents. Like, it was him and Ross that went out and got Kermit. So you don't want to admit if it didn't work. You want to give him as much opportunity as possible. You believed in the guy to begin with, and he has had success at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss historically is a bad program. So, like, you want to give him enough of a chance here, especially with Deshaun and Matthew Morell, but also follow the sentiment of fans. And it feels like it's overwhelmingly negative. And yet, if you really wanted to change it, you could. Because I think a coach is a yeah. coach is a coach. Rick Barnes at Texas, he was a retread when they hired him. It was, a, it was the not inspiring hire at Tennessee. And yet Tennessee is good. Why is Tennessee good? It's not because of Rick Barnes. He gets the credit and he should because he's the coach. He's the face. But people stepped up with money. Is that wrong? I, I will fully admit if no. I'm wrong. My, my crackpot theory, and these numbers I'm going to throw at you are so unsubstantiated, but my theory in all college and professional sports is that unless your coach is in the top 5% or bottom 5%, it's kind of a wash. Like, if you have Bill Belichick – Having a great great coach matters. If you have if you John have Calipari leading the Jaguars, yeah, it matters. Yeah. But like, if you have a mid tier coach, you're doing fine. And it's different with 
coaching in college where recruiting is such a factor. But now that NIL is seemingly evening the landscape or redistributing the landscape, having a coach who can court 17-year-olds is slightly different than having a booster base that can help finance them. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I don't think a coach is a coach is a coach necessarily. But I do think the difference between Kermit and Mike White, to use a very pertinent example, isn't honestly that large. Yeah, John Calipari is different compared to other coaches. For sure. Coach K You're is not going to get John Calipari. Right. You're not going to get uh, Tom Izzo. But if you can get the success Andy Kennedy had – for 12 years. Or but that was as good as it's going to ever get. It's, it's better. It's as good as it's ever been. Ole had never been that consistently competitive in basketball ever before. And yeah, a lot of people will say, well, what about Rod Barnes? Yeah, but they fell apart at the end. Now, Rod Barnes took him to sights unseen before. Deserves to be praised. So does Rob Evans. Those were the good days. But Rob left to go to Arizona State. Rod, he flamed out. Under Andy Kennedy, it was always, it was frustratingly competitive. I guess that's the best way to put it. It was frustratingly competitive to people because you weren't just a slam dunk in an NCAA team at the end of the year every year. It was always a bubble fight. Even when they won 27 games and won the SEC basketball tournament, they were a friggin' 12. The, the best case scenario in my mind you're never going to catch lightning in a bottle twice with another Marshall Henderson type personality. Yeah. But like Ole Miss being the heel in the SEC is a weirdly that. compelling thing. And I know that we're doing it in football. Doing it You're doing it in football. Years. Yeah. I'm just saying like, Will Wade's gone. Mm-hmm. No one really cares about Bruce Pearl that much. Well, the thing is like, Will Wade was just <laughs> straight up asshole. Yeah. There's a heel vacuum is what I'm saying. And I don't know, and I don't know if if Ole Miss is equipped to next year be the heel, but causation, correlation, whatever you want to call it, Ole Miss was at its best when Ole Miss leaned into its heel attitude in college basketball. Well, I think what undid Andy Kennedy was a couple of things, one of which he misevaluated, he'll tell you this, misevaluated DeAndre Burnett. He thought he was like Stephen Moody and like Marshall Henderson. He wasn't. And then hiring Raheem Lockhart was another thing. There's, there's a lot of stuff that went wrong, but it was time to move on. No one's saying that, oh, bring Andy Kennedy back because he's making the NCAA tournament. If you're saying that, there was a reason why it was time to move on. 12 years is a long time. And Kermit went to the tournament in his first year, and no, no one said a thing. They couldn't be happier. But that's the thing about Ole Miss. It's interesting in regards to expectations. Because in football, it had only been three years under Matt Luke, and Ole Miss fans were so passionate about the apathetic nature of this program, football, and where things were going, that they stirred real change. Two days before the move went down, um, I had as good a source as possible read between the lines, tell me Keith is going to keep Matt. But then the Egg Bowl happened, and Ole Miss fans reacted so vitriolically that they spurred change. And they still have that same kind of reaction because they're fans, and they should. Good for you, man. I'm not knocking anything, any reaction. This is sports. They're they're loud. They're fun. They're dumb. React how you want to react. We all love sports. But the same kind of reaction to basketball is a little bit of a harder sell as far as how you're operating things, operating overall department, because the support just isn't the same. It's just not the same. Because I see a lot of people say, go get the basketball equivalent of Lane Kiffin. That's a lot easier said than done. And the basketball equivalent of Lane Kiffin, which would also satisfy the hill component that you're talking about, who is he? And I I would say like, yeah, like John Calipari would fit that pretty well. You're not going to get him. You can't get him at Ole Miss basketball where Tom Crean said, after talking to everybody involved, he's interested in the job. Thank God they didn't hire him because Tom Crean's just (laughs) washed. Oh, that's the 14th job in the SEC. He takes Georgia. Mike White, Ole Miss is home. His best friend's the AD. He was a point guard that took him to the NCAA tournament. Do I think that Ole Miss was a viable option this this, uh, coaching cycle? Not necessarily, no. No. 
I think that there was assurances made to Kermit pretty early on, late last week at least, that he was going to be back. And I think the quiet nature of it is just Keith and, and, and Kermit and the whole the whole athletics department and, and, and coaching staff just kind of letting it die down a little bit because that's how these cycles work these days. For three days, it's really crappy, and you have to weather the online storm. But everything fizzles out. It doesn't matter what. It fizzles out. And so I think that's kind of what it is more than uh, something's happening behind the scenes. I think Kermit's back for another year. And that's where the debate can come in if you think he should be back or not. But I don't know if Mike was really, um, even if Omas had been hired, was really an option for them now, looking at what he decided to do. And that's go to Georgia of all places. It's, it's just an interesting place to be if you're an Ole Miss fan because I understand wanting these, uh, these results and being in the NCAA tournament, I, I'm with you. I love covering the NCAA tournament. It's just not the same when you're calling for the Lane Kiffin of basketball because the support isn't the same. And also, let's not play revisionist history. When when Matt Luke got the axe, it didn't necessarily feel certain that Lane was going to pick a home. Oh, no, no. It became, it became... I'm not somebody who likes to paper over what I've said in the past. I was pretty clear that I thought Matt Luke deserved another year and it worked out getting rid of him. But oh, you, you thought they should have kept Matt for another year. I thought, as I said earlier in the show, I'm pretty slow on the trigger when it comes to firing coach. Why is that? I thought that because of what I said about me, not believing the coaches make that much of a difference That's fair. at the end of the day. Okay. Sorry. Um, and clearly Kiffin made a Kiffin made a clear, clear difference with what you called apathy and mm-hmm. you were right. Mm-hmm. But on the field product, I have no idea if Matt would have taken them to be five and five in 2020 as well. Who knows? I don't know if Rich Rod would have. I would say no. The same way. I would <laughs> say no. I would say Matt Corral would have transferred. John Rice probably would have run their triple option and they'd have won like three games. Yeah. So I have no idea what it worked out. I just, again, I'm slow on the trigger. I think that you only fire a coach when you can guarantee you're going to get somebody better. In the case of firing Matt Luke, they found somebody better, and that worked out. But, but he wasn't their said, first choice. Their first choice was Mike Norvell. Still was. Yeah, let's not let's not paper it over and say that this was always clearly the plan, and they fired Matt Luke because they had Lane Kiffin in the back pocket. Things happened the way they happened, and you you go back to the Mike White situation. You fire Kermit to go get Mike White. Mike White chooses Georgia. What's next? Weird thing with college basketball is for every Nate Oates of a guy who jumps from mid-major to power five and really thrives, there are a lot of misses. It's a really tough transition for some reason. And I I don't know who the top candidates are. I don't know who has. Yeah, who's the next Nate Oates right now? I don't know who that is. I have no clue. I will say this. Eric Musselman was really interested in the Ole Miss job. He was. Well, that's a whole different conversation. Putting resources places. Though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But if you want to talk about fitting the criteria of the Lane Kiffin of basketball, well, Eric Musselman is a good example of that. But Kermit yeah. went to the NCAA tournament in his first year, was a, uh, a one win away against LSU in the SEC tournament last year of making it to the NCAA tournament. It's, I don't know. It's just really hard with Ole Miss basketball. Ole Miss baseball is different. Ole Miss baseball is different because the expectations for Ole Miss baseball are Omaha or bust, even though that's the Elite Eight in basketball. And if you got to the Elite Eight in basketball, I don't know. It's it's a complicated conversation. I don't want to cover too much. They're the number much. one team in the country, Ben. They they're are. The number one team in the country. Do they deserve to be number one? I think so. I think that – honestly, well, frankly, who cares about number one on March uh, Why we talk about a pile of pocket spring break, Nicholas? No, no, no. I'm saying Probably. They either them or Notre Dame. I think Texas still looks like the best team, but Texas had a bad week and you bump them down. So all right, from the look test, because I haven't watched a lot of other baseball teams. I'll be fully honest. When watching other teams, the look test, where does Ole Miss rank in the look test with other contenders, in your opinion? Going to jump right back to Nick Suss, the Ole Miss beat reporter for the Jackson Clarion Ledger in this spring break edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year brings new beginnings, a fresh start. The slate has been wiped clean. And what better way to celebrate that than with a new car? Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place you should go, and that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from new and used sales to parts and service. 
Allen Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Allen Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in, and I cannot say enough good things about Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. When you go, ask for Brian or Mason, they'll make sure to get you in the car that you want at a price point you can afford, and make sure to tell them that Talk of Champions sent you to take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. You can contact them today at 662-234-8000-2201 East University Avenue, 662-234-8000. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. A new year is here. It's 2022, not to mention that spring is around the corner in Oxford, Mississippi. What comes with it? The return of Ole Miss football, Ole Miss baseball. It's a special time of year in Oxford. You want to be there, right? You want to be in Swayze Field. You want to be back in Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium. Well, the only way you can do that is if you're healthy, that you have a pharmacy you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Top five for sure. Uh, top three, maybe. Like, they look three. really good. The, I, I, the I'm problem, sitting here saying, I'm the, sitting here saying, I think they're top three. I haven't watched a single other team. What the hell do I know? What do I like, know? Here's the, here's the big difference this year, and I don't want to get too much on a tangent. I don't know how much time you want left, but dude, I don't care. Let's just talk. We're good. Last year, every single week, Ole Miss had to face at least one arm who was going to be picked in the top five rounds. Oh, this yeah. year, they will probably not face a top 100 pitcher in this year's draft. Or wow. a, top, a pitcher who will go in the top 100. Because wow. Blade Tidwell's hurt. They're not facing him at Tennessee. Uh-huh. Peyton Pallett's hurt. I don't think he'll be back in time for them to play Arkansas. Uh-huh. Landon, Landon Sims is hurt. Who knows if he'll be back in time. They don't play Vanderbilt. They don't play Florida. They don't play Georgia. The, from those, excluding those players, do you know who the highest rated SEC pitcher is by draft metrics? Because it's Derek Diamond. No kidding. Like, yeah, by the MLB.com rankings, uh, excluding the guys I just mentioned who are hurt or Georgia or Ole Miss doesn't play, it's Derek Diamond. So it's going to be interesting because I think that there is a hole in the starting rotation, but I don't know if it's a bigger hole than the other contenders also have. I test what state's pitching staff has looked like. I test what LSU's pitching staff has looked like, and their best pitcher had to leave early on, on Friday. Let's see how much 
time he might miss. It's it's going to be interesting because this isn't the year like the last three or four where the SEC was just loaded top to bottom with aces. I think Ole Miss is the best team in the SEC. Very well could be. Now, that, you know, what that, that means for Omaha. For sure. Yeah. You know what that means for Omaha? Look, the Mike Bianco, and I think they're one and eight in their last nine advancement opportunities to get to Omaha, something crazy like that. I'd have to go back and look at the math. I did it last year. So I, I don't know what happens when you get to that point again. But as far as just like looking at teams, personnel, I love this almost baseball team. I think they can beat anybody. I, I love constructing in college baseball because it goes against Major League Baseball. But in college baseball, in a, in a, uh, a sport of small sample sizes, it makes sense to prioritize. I don't think they necessarily – meant to construct the roster this way, just happened that way with COVID and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent. I think it's uh, it's working in their favor to have prioritized or to be set up with one of the best offenses in the country and one of the best bullpens. Because in a game, of, in, in a sport of small samples of college baseball, those two things matter more than long-term viability like Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland that can go out there and be a stopper for nine innings. They have enough arms and Jack Doherty wasn't great on Sunday, but they have they have enough arms to where okay if, if Jack Doherty isn't great on Sunday, I can replace him with the next Jack Doherty. They have a lot of Jack Doherty's. Derek Diamond yeah. isn't Doug Nikhazy, but he and and you throw him in a hat with Jack Doherty and Brandon Johnson and you get what I'm saying? They they all kind of look the same. Right, Maddox, Hunter yeah. Elliott. Yeah, even though I think Hunter Elliott, even though I think Hunter Elliott has the potential to be as good as a Doug or a Gunner. Right now, he's not. You just put him all in a hat, draw one, and, and you'll get pretty much the same results. And that's really valuable when you can spread out that many arms over nine innings for a three-game three weekend set. And I think that the most encouraging thing about this team, it's going to be overlooked, but the growth that guys like TJ McCants and Peyton Chatagnier have had that's year right. over year mm-hmm. is really important. Pey- Peyton Chatagnier surprised get- me because I-, I was never a huge fan of his game. I love the kid. Great kid, man. Awesome guy, but I just didn't love the profile. But now he's walking a little bit. It's, it's just not like crappy contact and stuff like that. He's actually doing some really yeah. productive things for them at the plate. Yeah, he's developed at the plate. TJ McCants' approaches. Well, he's an MLB player. He's an MLB player, Nick. Come on. Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying, it's kind of the same thing that happened to Kevin Graham from 19 into 20, mm, yeah. of big left-handed bat who swung at hard stuff well to a fully developed player. Mm, And TJ's looking like a fully developed player right now. Uh, Reagan Burford is a guy who obviously wasn't on the team last year, but developed quite a bit to being a potential middle to bottom of the order bat who can really help. Hayden Leatherwood has nine hits this year and seven of them are singles. I mean, he is not just the guy swinging for the fences anymore. He's just trying to get on the field every single day. That's what he's trying to do. The guys who have developed We'll, t- we'll spend all day talking about Elko and, and Gonzalez and Graham and some of the stars, but the guys who had to take that step have taken that step. Mm. And that's the thing that's really important for me, arguing that maybe this is the team to beat in the SEC. It has everything to do with, well, Tim Elko is going to hit his home runs. Well, Jacob Gonzalez is going to walk a hundred times this year. I mean, they're going to do their things, but Chatagne getting a lot better. McCann's getting a lot better bench continuing to hit at a really well clip. This is a deep, deep team. I mean, the butt of the joke for most of last year was the problem at first base in DH. I mean, this year, look at what they've got at DH between Calvin Harris looking a lot better. Ben Van Cleve. Don't say it. I love Ben, but come on, man. He's looking a lot better. He's looking a lot better. Tell me he's not. Hayden Leatherwood. You said Leatherwood, right? Leatherwood had the seven hits in nine, or seven of his nine hits were singles? Yeah. Yeah, Leatherwood's just trying to get on the friggin' field, man. I don't understand how he's not in the corner every single day. Ben Van Cleve gets the bats over him, and I just don't get it. There are worse things than having a lefty-righty platoon with Leatherwood and Kemp Alderman. But when you're beholden to it, to a fault, that's on you. I mean, Mike loves the lefty-righty stuff. But I also think that and statistically, it, it doesn't. Maybe, there's no benefit. Maybe, but a proof that maybe you can teach old dogs new tricks and stuff. Mike's also had a really quick hook this year. He's also he, subbing he's not, in batters and or pinch hitting for batters and then bunting with them. But 
that is not a new trick. That's a thing that he he's didn't done bunt last year. He did one time with Ben Van Cleve, and it did the exact same result. Yeah, that's true. The A and M game, it was the same thing. So that that maybe maybe he's uh, got it, that one out of his system, right? He just had to get yeah. it out. Yeah. Like I, I, people are going to ride that result, and they should because it was a funny, funny oh, outcome. God, dude. But but still, I mean, it happened once. The the better indicator of of what this team looks like is the letting McDaniel and Diamond and Gaddis face the right number of hitters and then going to the bullpen. That's the most important. I, I agree. I agree. Which I thought was a big, big weakness last year of overusing your starters because you only had faith in one or two bullpen arms. Now this year you got more faith. You can let Derek Diamond throw four or five innings and trust that the bullpen can do four things correctly. Or cover three innings because he's terrible third time through the order. Yes. That'd be so an opener. Depends on how quickly depends on how quickly he can get through times through. Yesterday it was four innings and yesterday I took him out because he's gonna have to pitch on five days rest this week. But nevertheless, if you can shorten your starters and extend your bullpen, that's a, that's really good progress. They go to Arkansas this weekend? Auburn. Auburn. I gotta start paying attention. I'm the recruiting guy now, remember? I'm the recruiting guy for the Oman Spirit, OMSpirit.com and Fitable3.com. If you haven't already subscribed, rate review talk of champions and iTunes, and when you do Leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. They go to Auburn this weekend. What are you most going to be kind of keeping an eye on with this team? Any any areas in particular? I think that the first thing you have to pay attention to is regression with these pitchers. I, I use the example of Drew McDaniel last year in non-conference play. He had a 1.89 ERA in sec and uh, postseason play it was up around 7.8 jackson kimbrell last year i think his era was around 2.4 in non-conference and up above nine in sec and postseason this year's sec lineup is just loaded they play tennessee next weekend after auburn tennessee's averaging like 13 runs a game i mean there are teams that are just going to bop it around the park and I am really, really interested to see how some of these newer names in the bullpen and some of these players with longer track records are going to hold up. Because a guy that I don't think we've mentioned yet, and I'm blanking right now because I, we've mentioned just about everybody, but we haven't talked about arguably the best arm this year in the bullpen, the most effective, Mason Nichols. Mason Nichols. Seven and, seven and two-thirds without giving up an earned run. I mean, he's been incredibly effective. Let's see how he continues to do that. If he can keep not giving up earned runs, if Kimbrell can keep not giving up earned runs, if John Gaddis, who's been really effective this year, what's his ERA? 1.42. I mean, he's Love been me some John Gaddis, man. He's a strike thrower. But when you throw a lot of strikes in a league where teams are averaging yes. 10 runs a game, yes. <laughs> let's see if you get beat up. Yes. <laughs> That's the thing that we have to see is, the eye test resume that we were talking mm. about earlier, the eye tests on a lot of these pitchers is man, they're filling up the zone. <laughs> Sometimes not the best. Approach yeah, it might not be a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. It might not be a great thing against the sec. I just feel like you bring up Mason Nichols. He's a good example. If um, Jack Doherty flames out, Derek diamond flames out, whoever flames out. No, just go to the next Derek diamond, Jack Doherty at Mason Nichols. And that's, the biggest strength of this team right now is you're not shoehorned into a certain rotation or a certain construction of uh, your pitching rotation or your pitching bullpen, whatever it might be to where you have to uh, stick with certain guys longer than you maybe want to. So if one guy proves ineffective and you got to give them longer than one start. So I don't want to like hold one start against a pitcher, but after whatever you decide is, is enough of a run for that pitcher, three starts, Two starts, four, I don't know. After that, if you feel like, oh, well, that didn't work out, well, you can go to the next guy. And that's something that last year's team did not have because uh, Mike did the right thing starting Taylor Broadway in that third game. It's not Mike's fault that it just didn't work out. That was the best option. So you got to give him credit for that. You got to give him credit for having a quick hook this year. And if he continues to do that, I think this team's going to reward him with Omaha. And if it doesn't, and I will say this now just to make sure that everybody hears me because I said it last week, I'll say it again. If they don't, Mike Bianco has no one to blame but himself because this team is perfectly, perfectly suited to get to Omaha. 
and win a national championship, quite frankly. But I'm not putting that on. Just get to freaking Omaha at this point. That thing we were talking about earlier with uh, different NCAA tournaments having different strengths of the bubble. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the case with this Ole Miss team, too, of like healthy versus healthy. Last year's team was better than this year's team. But different seasons are different seasons. And this year, the strengths of the college baseball are slightly different. Than better how? Because the, the offenses are pretty much the same, even though a second year TJ McCants is better than a first year TJ McCants. So the offense in the sense that I would rather have Doug and Gunner 50 picks. Okay. Yeah. Well, Gunner got hurt. Rather have I would rather picks. in college well, baseball. I said perfectly healthy. Yeah. But what I'm saying is in major league baseball, I would be on side on board with you. I'd want like two top end starters in college baseball, but the Braves just showed. And I think modern ba- baseball is turning to this. You can win a championship just through your bullpen. Having the best. And that's why I pin. think you have it backwards with the small sample size thing. Oh, you think I so? Think in college baseball, See, I think you shorten the game. Where, where you just need to win two out of three games. Mm-hmm. Having two guys that can win is a cheat code. Like yeah. if you have two top end starters, if you have Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, you can get to Omaha on the strength of two players. And we've seen it happen. Uh, no, so that's a good point. That's I a think, good point. So there are a lot of different team building, but what you were saying applies to this year, where most teams don't have that. So you load up with the bullpen and the offense, mm-hmm. which I think suits Ole Miss perfectly this year. And right now we'll see how they do for the rest of the schedule. You go to Arkansas, you go to LSU, you have state coming to Oxford. You have Tennessee come to Oxford. Those are Is four. this the year that they actually beat state? <laughs> we'll see, man. Come on, man. We'll see. You got to at least get one <laughs> series win. Have you actually looked ahead of the schedule? Because they actually play four games in a row against State. The Jackson game is directly after that series. Oh, my so, God. That's the night. Well, at least they're getting it all done in the course of a couple of days. That's going to be a fun, fun week for everybody involved. Do you but, have to write those yeah. crappy stories that we've written every single year, it feels like, about any time Ole Miss and State face off in any sport, like the Egg Bowl of baseball, the Egg Bowl of basketball? Do you have to do the lead-up for that in baseball, too? Do you have to play Not that up? exactly. All right. I I write what people read. So listeners, again, I'm talking directly to you. If you read it, I'll write it. But the the business model is very much, hey, are people interested? Cool, let's write about it. So if you want to read another story about how Ole Miss has lost X amount of games in the last Y against Mississippi State <laughs> in baseball, I will retread it. But I will be happy to write that it. for you. Oh, but if you'd rather not read it, if the if the clicks and subscriptions don't support it, and that's really that's what we all you do I'm this for. Us. That's all you're doing it for is for the clicks. I knew it, Nick. At the end of the day, I am just a, a used car salesman trying to get people to buy newspapers. And uh, honestly, at the end of the day, having a used car, not too bad. There were things in used car. cars. Well, I had a new truck that I picked out, and then all the crap went down in October, and I'm at home all day, every day, and I got tired of looking out in the driveway and seeing this wonderful, beautiful truck that I spent so much time picking out for myself, paying a monthly monthly uh, statement on it, or monthly payment for it, and I finally just went, what am I doing? And I just sold it and bought a little Lexus sedan for nothing, and she gets me from point A to point B, and I don't care anymore. It's fine. Yeah. It's okay. I, it's okay I, to have those kind of stuff. You I don't think cars. I could ever be a truck guy. This is no, 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 no. I look, look, I love you. I love you. No, I love you. No, no, no. You're not a truck guy. You're not. I'm not a truck guy either. I'm not an outdoorsy guy or any of that kind of stuff. But I, I, I would, I would love my truck because I, you know, I live on a little bit of land, so I feel like I got to go out there and just like clean trash out. Like all other people out there with their trucks going off road, going hunting, going fishing. They throw their stuff in the back. No, mine's more like a bunch of garbage bags of crap that's ended up in my yard. That's what I'm doing. You just pretty much have a, if the yeah. kids want to ride in the bed, they can. Yes, yes. Or if I've got to carry the bouncy castle that I bought for the next birthday party that's being used for, I can put it in the bed of my truck. The big please, blow up Please say you mean castle. rented. Did you just buy one? I bought one. Why not? Oh, that's it, awesome. Well, it, was, it, was it was a need. We're talking about needs and vacuums, right? There's a need in New Albany, Mississippi. All my friends and, and me – we were having these parties for our kids, and we all have the same thing. You go to a church gym, you set up a bouncy castle, throw a bunch of balls out there, they just run and play, eat some cake, you're done. You Maybe you hit a pinata. Maybe you do that too, right? Well, I realized that everybody was renting the same castle over and over again. Well, then that castle leaves, and no one had one. I said, you know what? I'll just buy one. And I bought one, and now I'll drive it around and just drop it off at different houses. 
Ben Garrett, the bouncy castle man. That's yeah. a, that is a great thing to be in the town. <laughs> right? In New Albany, Mississippi. So if you need a bouncy castle, I got one. I'll bring you dogs for two. I'm bored. But it's hard to fit it in my not, sedan. Can't fit in the Lexus sedan. Saying, oh, here's the thing. Here's I'm the terrible thing. No, no. Here, you want to hear about NIL bouncy castle guy? Okay. But you should be an NIL bouncy castle guy. So Ben's like, Bouncy Castle LLC. Yeah. All right. I'm down for it. Just like whatever. Because right now I'm just like a middle-aged. Care about. Well, like right now I'm like a middle-aged sitcom wife, and, and you're gonna hear why because we're about to be done now. So, like I told you, I sold my truck because I got tired of just sitting in the driveway. I wasn't going anywhere. I'm at home all day every day. I get a sedan. I bought my kids a little Shepu, a little bitty dog for Christmas because it had to be an indoor dog and she had to be little. So I bought a little dog. I've got a sedan. I clean up all day after I like do my work and I'm cleaning and I cook dinner every single night. Supper's on the table when the, when the family gets home. And on Friday, I went to Friday margaritas with two of my oldest girlfriends, like girlfriends from high school, both hairstylists. And we had Friday marks. So if I have not made the transition yet completely to cliche sitcom wife, I mean, I don't know what else I got to do. I've taken all the steps. Friday Marks was like the final nail in the coffin of where I am with my life now. Are you more Jill from Home Improvement or Deborah from Everybody Loves Rain Deborah, right now? Deborah. Okay. More Deborah. Deborah. A little more spark. Yeah, well, because Jill didn't have that kind of uh, anger that I can sometimes have that I have to suppress with things, right? Yeah. Yeah, Deborah, Deborah got mad. Fiery redhead. I can take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have made the transition. I am... I am middle-aged sitcom wife. I, I think I've hit it. A sedan and little bitty dog and cleaning and cooking but and like, Friday yeah, marks with the face. girls. I mean, I even do – I did yoga the other day. That's not a joke. I did yoga the other day because my back was hurting. And somebody said, hey, why don't you just try to like become more flexible? I said, what do I do? They were like, of course, yoga. Okay. I was terrible at it, and it was more painful than it was worth. But even did yoga too. What am I going to do next? Pilates? Spin class? What's next in my evolution? Just let me know when you start drinking green smoothies and, uh, and we'll have an intervention. <laughs> I had a strawberry margarita. <laughs> I sit I down and they said, what is it? Mike's hard the other day. I'm oh, Mike's you. hard. Why? Somebody bought it and it was in my fridge and I'm like, it's either this or dump it down the sink. Oh, well you drink it. Yeah. yeah. Of course you drink it. Chuck used to love Zima's. So when you just drink watered down Sprite. <laughs> Tastes like complete ass. Why are you drinking that? All right. Before we move on and uh, say goodbye, spring practice starts next week. What are you looking out for? Yeah. What are you paying attention to? Gosh, I really don't know. There are so many faces that I have to learn who their names are. Quarterback battle? Uh, Is that what we're watching? We're watching a quarterback battle, right. but we'll see if there's actually a quarterback battle. Ooh. We're watching a lot of position battles. We'll see if there are really position battles. I, no one's going to tell us. We go back to SEC media days, the thing we talked about at the beginning. We're not going to learn who the starting players are in spring. No. Like, there's no competitive advantage. We talked about this, I think, last time I was on the show. Of <laughs> why would they tell us they who's going to start in April? Yeah. So we'll see if there's a battle or we'll see if there's just watered down position drills. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be really fun. Is I'm there really anything you really these- think we're going to learn from spring practices this year? We're going to be done with spring practice and go, man, I'm really glad they did that. Cause now I know this, anything like that, anything, maybe we will learn if the base defense is deviating from what they did last year. Hmm. Maybe we will learn if the personnel that they brought in to kind of add edge rushers to the group can create more of a four three or a four two five than a base three two six from last year. Maybe we'll be able to tell that because they don't have as much depth or at least top level depth in the secondary as they did last year. And they kind of reshaped the defense with Ivy and Piggies and who's the kid from TCU? I'm forgetting Coleman. Kari Coleman. Um, Come on, you gotta get it down. You gotta memorize them. It's expected I just now. Rattled them off. You did. I, I did a you fine did. enough job. You did great, actually. But the, the way they reshaped it, Troy Brown at linebacker as well, having more depth to call on in the front seven with, I mean, we haven't mentioned the returning guys. Cedric Johnson's back, Tavius Robinson's back, Isaiah Aiton and Jamon Gordon are back, obviously, at linebacker. You have 
a fewer names back, but you still have Ashanti Sistrunk and Austin Keys if he's healthy and, and some of these guys back. There's more depth in the front seven, and I'm going to be interested to see how that reshapes the defense and if they kind of rely on a more traditional front this year. Other than that, we're not going to see what the offensive scheme looks like until they play their first game of the year against who they open with this year. Troy. Troy. Is that the Is opening it Troy? game? Hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm efforting. I'm efforting. Hold on. Who are they open with? Ole Miss 2022 schedule. I'm going to be pissed when it's, when it's Troy and I was right. See, I thought Troy was the 24th after Georgia Tech, but I could be wrong. It's Troy, September 3rd, okay. 2022. That's why. Fantastic. That's why I am Spirit Ben. Really happy and <laughs> proud about it. Spirit Ben. I love being called Spirit Ben. Yeah, people are much you know happier to see you. Is most every um, fan that's listening to this knew that immediately, and we're the idiots that had to figure it out, and we covered the team every single day. Yeah, no, we can remember the minute details of what, how many singles Hayden Leatherwood has. Yes. But you ask me <laughs> what the schedule looks like. I'm like, is this the year they play Central Arkansas? I don't remember. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate you. What are you working on right now? You doing anything for spring break that's fun, or are you just working? I'm doing a little bit of work. It's uh, it's that re- like the time when baseball and basketball and football overlap is the busiest week of the year. So I'm just dreading it. But we will see. Come April, I have some things planned to not be a journalist for a week or two. Good. That'll be fun. I am taking my parents and my family to Florida this weekend. I am really excited about it. I can't wait to go seven hours with my parents and my family to Florida. Beach or theme park? Beach. That'll be fun. That'll be fine. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, always happy.